Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. We have a uh, we have a guest today, Carlos. It's about time. It, it, people don't want to keep hearing us, right? They want guests. They want high profile, noteworthy, and in this case, an illustrious and prolific author, Sean. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to introduce her. Come on. No, no, no. You introduce her. You have the, the dulcet tones. Who, who uh, do we have joining we, us? Well, we have the great Helena St. James, who's uh, just coming off the draft. Just coming off the NHL draft, of course, right? Just coming off free agency. About to go on vacation, so we need to get her out of here. Let's see if by the end of this podcast we can get her to reveal where she's going to go in the world. Someplace the Concord. The Concord will wait for her. She's fine. <laughs> That's it's a private plane. She's brush it off. I'm sure having sat somewhere for however long they stopped since ago. Since when I don't think they've flown it in what ten years. Yeah, it's, no, it's been a while. Well, well, anyway, Helena, thanks for thanks for making time. Thanks for joining us. Uh, there's some things that have happened with the Red Wings, eh? Hey? A few things. Very busy a uh, few weeks, which is why Steve Eisman said last week that amongst all the things he needed, sleep sleep was a priority as well as scoring. But he has addressed almost everything, gotten through the draft, signed half a dozen people in free agency, and then most of all, because. I think coming out of free agency, you had to look at that team and go, how are they any better than the team that finished this past season? And then he goes and adds Alex Debrinkat and voila, suddenly they look just so much better. What, so what did you think of that signing? What, and what did you, you know, cause you could, I'm sure you hear more from wings nation wings fans, uh, than we do obviously. But, um, there was this sense that oh my god, what's happening? Why is it taking so long? And then he announces the deal, and it seemed like a pretty, pretty good deal, right? He didn't give up too much. Um, the the contract extension was was reasonable compared to what the numbers were out there at first, right? The seven eight years for eight nine million or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, what what did you think of the deal? I thought I thought he pulled off a steal. I mean, Dominic Kubalik, he had twenty goals for them this past season, but most of them were scored in the second half. He really kind of faded mid-season and he's 27 probably might have been resigned but certainly wasn't a key part of the rebuild sobrango kind of a mid-range defense prospect they they really had probably four or five guys ahead of him on the depth chart so not a big loss to give him away either and then they had to give up a first round pick but they will still have either their own or they get to choose which one is uh, they can send either their own or boston's whichever one is uh, lower or higher, whichever one is, they'll keep whichever one is the best one, you know. So, so that's the that's the benefit there of the Tyler Bertuzzi trade, you know. And I think now, I mean, after free agency, or at any point, you had to ask: Is is this is who they are going to get better than Tyler Bertuzzi, Jacob Rana, and Philip Ronick, the three guys they gave up at the trade deadline? And now I think you can say yes with with adding Alex. They are. 
how much did it help Eiserman, I guess, get to Brinkett? Because he he mentioned that he's he, you know, he's obviously from Farmington Hills. He's played locally junior hockey and everything. And Eiserman mentioned that he's tracked his whole career basically his his amateur career. That definitely helped him, I think, understand who Debrinkit is beyond just a goal, a goal scorer, you know, his his personality, all that stuff. I think he was an alternate captain for the Blackhawks. But how much did it help him, I think, swing that deal? Because the first one of the first things Debrinkit said on the on his conference call was that nobody was happier than his mom and dad coming home. Did he was it kind of a not quite a hometown discount, but friendly for the hometown team that he grew up cheering for. Did that help Eiserman swing the deal, do you think? Yeah, nobody was happier except his mom, dad, and the Detroit Pistons for that free advertising from his <laughs> swanky teal cap, I think. But, you know, it helped. Uh, but he still got a really nice payday. And there weren't a ton of teams that could have fit him in at this point. So, you know, I, I don't think he gave up uh, a lot. I, I really think... You know, the term is what benefits both sides. I mean, maybe he has four phenomenal seasons and, you know, significantly increases his ne- next contract. But but four years is just a nice, flexible number. And it's nice for the wings. You know, they don't... I, I think they're just far better for teams in general not to get locked up to most of their players for seven, eight years because it really just handcuffs so much of what you're able to do. So this... You know, it's a degree of security, certainly, but it's not where the wings are locked to the guy for the next eight years. So, yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, coming home, I mean, the wings were in the position of they had the range of knowing uh, he wanted to come here and they had they had enough assets and they had the salary cap space. Not a lot of teams can do that, but we've seen it, too, where the wings you know, lose out, other teams lose out because a player wants to go someplace else, which is home. So, you know, that's, that's kind of an intangible that you benefit from every now and then. But I think it's just, it, it was also really just that the Wings were one of the few, probably one of the few teams whom he was interested in going to that had the, the cap space to add him. And, you know, his parents, I think, are also delighted because they uh, they just had a kid. So now the grandkid is home, is close to home too. That's a, so. that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this and, and not, not to cut you off, Sean, I'm sure you have a lot of hockey questions, but uh, deep, deep dive questions, but what I kind do, of player for, for people, for people, not Sean, but for people who may not be as familiar with the Brinkett um, played for Chicago. And then he signed with, he was traded, I believe to the traded to Senators Ottawa, yeah. last year, but, but what kind of player are they getting? What kind of player are we going to see at Little Caesars Arena? He's, he's just a, a really dynamic winger uh you know has 241 goal seasons to his credit just one of those kind of like Jacob Arana where just suddenly out of nowhere he finds a way to score and most of his shots uh I saw somewhere in Ottawa you know they were saying he had, I think he had 26 27 goals with them but they they said he just hit so many goal posts he probably would have had 35 had any of those gone in that he just he has he has a high chance shot that that and even if it doesn't go in, then it creates a, a really good high percentage rebound. So just just a player who's going to make the top line so much better. And because of that, the second line and the third line will be better because now they'll be scoring on, on possibly on, on um, they, they can create three scoring lines. And he really should have a significant impact on the power play too, which is something they've been looking for for, for so long. I mean, their power play has just been 
a definition of inefficient or inconsistent for for so long. Even when they put all their best players on it at times, it just no. But with adding De Brinkhead and now having Ritz Sider already on the back end and Shane Gustis Beher, you know, the power play guy that they brought in to replace Philip Ronick, it looks like that, you know, they may actually be better on that end of special teams. As Carlos would say, the, the, the one-timer is a friend of the power play. Speaking of lines, though, it's going to be interesting to see what... So, okay, the Brinkett and Dylan Larkin are for sure on the first line. Do you move? Do you say, all right, what do you have, Lucas Raymond? And you put him up there, too, and, and then see what he can do with that? Kind of like the Brinkett got the opportunity to do that in Chicago with Kane? Yeah, I don't know if you want to... Stack it that, that much? Or just, you know, I mean, you might want to put a really strong defensive uh, forward with in in that group as well. And, you know, they can't they can't get caught up in I mean Dylan Dylan Larkin is very good defensively, but you know, you can't get into a situation where, yeah, you may be scoring a lot of goals, but you're also on for a lot of goals against. So uh, you know, I, I think that remains to be worked out in training camp. But the other thing to consider is I mean Lucas Raymond and Dylan Larkin have had really, really good chemistry. So, you know, and the other player to consider is you know, they've liked Robbie Fabry at center in the past. Do they try him there again, or do they prefer him on the wing and have just Comfer uh, play second-line center, or do they go back to cop? Like, they, that's that's what training camp is for, Traverse City, you know, to, to work out those things exhibition season. But I think for sure, you know, you want to try and see how uh, DeBrincat looks with Larkin when the when training camp begins. I guess the point is, and your point and everybody's point, is that uh, there are options now in a way that there just have not been. Offensively, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which reminds me a little bit like, you know, not exactly, but it reminds me a little like the Oilers when they've had uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl and they've been on the same line and then they split them up to kind of, you know, divvy up the wealth. But then in the playoffs, when they were struggling a little bit, you know, they might on the power play, you know, they would definitely be on the power play, but they might move them onto the same line when they needed some instant scoring and of course, it hurts the other lines. But I, I just wonder if that's going to happen a little bit. And and you know, it's training camp. But then as the season bears out, right, you might find different matchups that are more favorable if you spread out the scoring a little bit. But but I really well, look that's forward. What, to- that's what the Wings used to do with Paul Datsuk and Henrik Sederberg. You know, split them up and when needed, uh, put them on the same line. I mean, that's that's absolutely what happened there. Like if you know, so sometimes yeah, it's good to put. Mm, your best eggs in the same basket, but other times uh, Datsuk and Sederberg worked very, very well. Uh, I think we should be so fortunate that they get those two, that those two players uh, reappear in, in new form, but but along those lines, yeah, you know, but that's, I mean, that's that's what for Lalone and, and his coaching staff to figure out, but the, it's just they, ha- they just have so many more options, you know, and I really thought, again, after free agency, you're looking at who they signed and no, Sprong coming off a career high twenty one goals, good addition, but it's a lot to ask him to come into the top six and duplicate or improve on that. So, but adding Alex, I mean, it just again, it just makes all of their, you know, their top line, their second line, their third line better because of the depth they can now, the options they now have. Speaking of improvement, do you, do you believe or I'm, let me phrase it this way instead? So. Eiserman has said a few times that he feels like Dylan Larkin can still get better. You know, I don't know how much better, but better. And I'm curious what you what you think about maybe where 
it can get to. What what is his ceiling? Do you do you, do you buy into that that he's not the player he can be? Well, he's getting to be an age where I mean I think you're seeing a large part of what he is. Can he improve his stats? Absolutely. I mean, part of it is you know you have to have players who can finish your passes. You have to have players who can set you up, or you know your 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 numbers aren't going to be there. But I think he'll benefit from having more skill on his line. You know, he, he's, he's a pretty straightforward player, not, you know, I mean, really good speed and such. Um, you know, not, not a Pavel Dotsu type as far as playmaking and such. But, um, you know, I, I think that, I mean, they, I don't know why you would say he they put a ceiling on him. I think if you're the wings, yeah, you want to hope all of them can, you know, continue to show a little more uh, as they rise through their 20s and such. But I don't think we're going to see a, uh, significantly different Dylan Larkin. Yeah, I think I think Larkin's fine. I mean, he's a 30-goal scorer. He's really good defensively. He makes a lot of things happen. He makes everybody on his line better. Strong leader, fights back. I like I like I wish more guys would take and I hope that's one of the things with Debrinket is, you know, that feistiness. I hope that kind of permeates throughout the team. I think the wings could use that a little bit more. But Larkin's Larkin's really good. But like you said, I mean, he's not an, he's never going to be an electric player. You know, he's fast, but he's not going to be this. You know, is he going to ever get to a hundred points? Maybe. I mean, if every if lightning strikes and everybody's great on his line and you know all that, but I think he's just fine where he is. I don't think there's we don't need to see a ton of improvement. And you know, leadership is important, right? And you know, if he's good for two or three crying sessions a year in a in a press conference, you know that 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 touches my heart. So he cares, and he got that extension, so he's here for a long time. And it's funny because people, I don't know why people are fans are kind of down on him sometimes, like he doesn't do enough. I get, I don't know if he's what the standard is. You know, maybe he's just not quite as Zetter, good as Zetterberg was, and he's not the leader. I think that it's because he's was. not. He's not. You know, in that Matthews. Uh, Steven Stamkos, like elite, elite, right. top line center category. He he's a step below, and so, you know, yeah. Had the wings gotten to draft, um, you know, within the within the top three or something, and added even in in twenty twenty, added Tim Stutzler, you know, or even this year, been lucky enough to drop to three and get Adam Fantilli, you know, there'd, there'd be a great deal of excitement for that. But the f- fact is, I think Steve has done a really, really good job considering that the highest he has drafted is fourth. And even before he got here, I mean, the Wings have, you know, drafted sixth, eighth, ninth. Uh, they just they just haven't had any luck in the lottery to get access to those players that can transform your franchise, you know. And meanwhile, Chicago goes all in on a rebuild and trades to bring catch auto for a really good deal last year. And they're rewarded by moving up in the draft lottery and getting Connor Bedard. So, but, but no, to go back to Dylan, he's, he's a very good player and, and he cares a ton. And uh, I don't think you can ever really look at a game and fault his fault, his effort. No, not at all. No. And you're right. He's, what is he a top 30, 40 player, or, you know, somewhere, somewhere in there. And that's to your point, really good. I just thought it was interesting that Eisenman has said a couple of times in the last month or whatever, that he thought there was still more there. And and I know that's something the coaches and GMs say sometimes. So I was just curious. Maybe they're maybe getting a little bit more skilled to your point. We'll unlock a few things in a way we, we haven't seen consistently. 
just for, oh, oppor- yeah. I mean, just for opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, they've relied on him so much, you know, and even, I mean, Bertuzzi missed so much time this past year. He missed most of the season in, I think it was 2020 when he left nine games in with it and ended up having back surgery, like, you know, and before Lucas Raymond came along, I mean, there was just, there were Lucas Dylan, they relied on him to be out against the opponent's top player and be the leading scorer and not have much of a supporting cast. Uh, it was just, it was a lot to ask. And there were, you know, I mean, that, that 2019-20 season, when they only won 17 games, it was just, it was just miserable, you know, and, and to his credit, I mean, Dylan has been a stand-up guy throughout all of it. And, and I, th- I think you see that, and, and that's why he was such a, an easy choice to be named captain. That's one of the things that I, I think, uh, how, uh, you know, fans and media, whatever, we think of it one way um, of you're adding to Prinkett, you know, oh, good, you know, good deal. He's a good player. He's going to help. But for the players themselves, what does it say to the team when you finally have made a move like this and bring in a guy, you know, uh, uh, an established offensive weapon? I mean, what does that do for people like Larkin and the rest of the team? I mean, as far as their their uh, confidence, I guess, in, in the plan and the Iser plan moving forward? No, I mean, it, it says to them that, hey, you know, this, and, and Steve really sent that message last summer when he signed uh, Peron and Sharad and Ali Mata, Ali, Ali Umlaut, uh, you know, all, all these guys that, hey, this it's time to start moving out of the rebuild. And then things went badly last year because two games into the season, they lost Petusi and Rana, two guys they were counting on for 30 goals. And then, you know, things went really bad. You talk about having some bite and pushing back. You know, there was none of that in late February when they went to Ottawa. And it was one thing for them to lose that first game. You know, everybody has games like that. But then they came out the next night and got pushed around even more. And that's when Steve said, okay, you're gone, you're gone, you're gone. And that sent a message to the team, too, that, hey, this needs to be better. And, you know, he he, he made the business decision. Tyler, they weren't going to be able to. They, there was no common ground on re-signing him. He had to trade him rather than lose him for nothing. But now, you know, you fast forward to now to free agency here and he's showing them, look, I signed a bunch of guys and then he makes this huge trade that, you know, there are growing expectations on this team. And yeah, Steve is is not going to say, okay, this is the day we have to make the playoffs by. But the message is being sent that, you know, you've got to start improving. There's got to be more competitiveness. Um, You know, and they, I mean, they have to consider the fan base as well. You know, this, this is, um, you know, what are you selling the team on? Well, now you're selling the team uh, with a great deal or, or much, much better because you have Alex Debrinkat on the roster. And you can say, hey, we look like we're going to be much better come by a season ticket or at least one ticket. But, but before we let you go, I want to ask both of you, actually. So speaking of the, that, what are the expectations for, for each of you this winter? What do you, what's, what's reasonable? What's maybe pie in the sky? What, what can we expect? I do think they can make the playoffs now. I mean, you also have to look at it from the standpoint of within their division. Uh, I think, I mean, Tampa is still a very good team, but I do think their window is kind of closing. And we saw that already this past season, Boston, still some questions about who comes back, what's their roster going to look like, but you know, they were coming off a record setting season and then had that enormous disappointment in the playoffs and, 
again, a team, I think you kind of have to ask. Toronto and Florida, I think you have to consider uh, certainly playoff teams. Buffalo is steadily getting better. I mean, one of these days they're going to, you know, end their draw and get back to the playoffs. But I think the Wings, you know, I would I would expect them, you know, to to, to push, to be able to, to legitimately push uh, for a playoff spot and end, end what's become a seven-year drought. I think that... Uh... You know, I, I'm scared of saying playoffs because if I say playoffs, I think Iserman's going to reach to the screen and slap me because he refuses to even say the word. Uh, you know, as Helena asked him the other day, and he's like, ah, I think we'll be more competitive for sure. But I don't think he's ever going to say the word playoffs until they actually make the playoffs, probably. I think that they'll be, my expectation for them is, you know, to grab one of the wild card spots or be close to it toward the end of the season. This is barring like significant injuries, right? Like, yeah, always, you know, yeah. But it just if everything is, you know, fairly normal, you know, some, some, you know, guys get banged up here and there, of course, but, but I think they should be challenging, like right in the thick of the, of it toward the end of the season. And I also don't, I, I don't even know. I mean, if, if I just hadn't, uh, you know, gotten rid of everybody, if they kept Bertuzzi, I don't know that they wouldn't have been at the thick of it either, even though those those senators games were an indictment and all that stuff. And he talked about it and, you know, um, a barometer of sorts for for Iserman to judge where they were. But I liked their I liked their commitment to the loans, you know, system. I liked the effort nightly. There were some bad games here and there, of course. Um, but I don't know that they would have been completely out of it. So I think this year that that considering that there's 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 movement toward talent upgrades and you've got a guy like to bring it now and then he sh- if he makes the difference everybody thinks he should make i would i would guess that they'll take one of the wild card spots or come really close to it what about you sean you have your stand are you ready for the parade down yeah, already? You're, you're in uh you're in vegas what are you putting your money on Ooh, I, I i really 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 like the the fight and um, sort of the togetherness. And and I remember <clears throat> I was with you one of those to- towards the end of that winning streak I'm talking about before Ottawa. And I remember you and I were uh, talking about Helene a little bit at, at the arena. And after the game, they it, it, I can't remember who they beat, but they won. And the I remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Lalonde was talking about um, the margin for error and how small it was. And he was trying to tamp down the fact that they were winning all those games, trying to remind everybody who this is where we are in the process. Well, yeah, adding the talent they added and scoring they added, that margin to me just got a little wider. And that's really the key. So you can win on nights maybe when some other things aren't there because your margin is a little bit bigger. So, yeah, assuming, assuming health like y'all, I would, they, were, they were pushing for a playoff spot a year ago. I mean, they were. They were, they were in, what, what was the eighth, seventh at one point, right before that, right before Ottawa? Uh, they, I mean, they, they got into eighth when they won that game uh, the week before the yeah. Ottawa, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ottawa so, series. And they weren't technically, mathematically eliminated until the last week because it was so tight, even though everybody could see it coming. But no, I mean, compared to years prior when they were out of it by Christmas, um, you know, they were, I mean, to go back again to that 2020 they were the only team mathematically eliminated when the NHL shut down March 12th. So, <laughs> right. Right. Okay, yeah. So, you know. so, so that, so, well, yeah. yeah. So to me, what we saw last year, then what they just added and, uh, and with the new staff and with still all the youth and you assume the youth gets better. Well, at least uh, yeah. In some ways. You know yeah. what? I mean, Moritz Sider, Lucas Raymond, all growing and, and getting, getting Absol- better. I mean, Moritz Sider is phenomenal. So, 
Um, so yeah, you know, you, you keep you keep that growth coming from the young guys from within, and keep adding draft picks and who are challenging for jobs. Uh, they're absolutely in the right direction. It's just how quickly can they get there? Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you so so much for joining us. Anything that you'd like to plug before you go? Can you put twenty dollars on something for me while you're out in Vegas? <laughs> Just something. Sure, sure. Uh, well, if anybody needs uh, back to school reading or gifts <laughs> for whatever is coming up, my uh, Big Fifty: The Men and Moments That Made the Detroit Red Wings and On the Clock Behind the Scenes with the Red Wings at the NHL Draft. Available and easy to personalize. If you want to reach out to me at hstjames at freepress.com. So. Well, cool. Well, I encourage you all to do that. And uh, any last any last thoughts, Carlos, before we let our our friend go here? They're fantastic books. I really enjoy reading them. You you uh, it's it's a great history. Um, the only thing I wish is that there was a third book I could read from Helena St. James. But you know that's wishful thinking. I'm happy to time. too. In due Hopefully, time. one of these days. But uh, the first two are fantastic. So uh, absolutely, pick one up. Well, thanks again, Helena. Enjoy your incredibly well earned and well deserved break. And uh, we'll talk to you when the season gets closer. Thank you. I look forward to it. All right. Thanks. That's uh, Helena St. James, everyone. Carlos and I will be right back with more Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Uh, we are moving on from hockey now, Carlos. I hope that's uh, okay with you. Yeah, it's cool. Going from your favorite sport, which is hockey, to your second favorite. favorite sport, which is uh, college basketball. Yeah, no, I do. college basketball is your favorite. It's your Michigan State basketball. There's no, 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 sport, no, 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 no team you like covering more, right? No, that's not true. I, the NBA is what I enjoy the most. I, I mean, I love covering football because it's uh, there's so much going on. But uh, but yeah, no, the NBA is my favorite. Kind of like baseball is yours, and but I like college basketball too. You can sure. only you can only cover one team in the Detroit. You know, the six teams, pro, four pro, and eight I guess teams. eight teams, right? Eight teams, only one team for the rest of your life. Which is it? Uh, the Pistons. Mm. Yeah, the Pistons. The best cities. The best cities at the you right time. Travel though, but you don't get to travel. It's only home games. Only home games. The Pistons. Mm. Yeah. Pressing X. I'm pressing X it out on that. No, of course it would be the Pistons. I, I think you're. I think you're sitting front row with your BFF Tom Izzo. No, 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 no. I, like, I enjoy college basketball, and the atmosphere is great. But the sport itself is just. Yeah, no, it'd be like covering. I'm not talking about the sport. I'm talking about like the team covering no. the team and the yeah, atmosphere. Yeah, I'd want to cover the Pistons, even though the fan base is whatever. I'd want to cover uh, relative mm-hmm. to some of the others. I'd want to cover the Pistons because to to me, in the end, it's got to be about the sport. If you're going to be, if that's all you're going to do, yeah, you know, that'd yeah. be like going to that'd be going to like to cover the Mud Hens instead of the Tigers. It's, a, it's essentially the same. 
You better, you better not, you better not hear Tom here say that, man. Well, he would agree with that. He, he, no, he, Tom would say, well, you know, the mud hens are better than we are relative to the sport, right? I mean, <laughs> it's true. I mean, triple A, triple A baseball is probably closer to the big leagues than that average Division One basketball is the NBA. Wouldn't you say? Could be. Yeah, that's good. Interesting, interesting comparison. Not bad. But, uh, but in any case, for some reason, you want to talk about Michigan State basketball. In July. Well, for some reason, you wrote about Michigan State basketball in July. So we need to talk about it because apparently people. Okay, so I think we've mentioned this before. So you you don't understand the reader. Is that what you're going to say? If our one, well, if our one listener uh, can recall this, we talked about, you know, engagement and all that stuff, uh, all the metrics involved in our stories. And anybody can look this up. But if you go to Sean's column that ran, was it last week, I believe? about Moneyball and watching this vaunted uh, class of Tom Izzo's come in and play basically glorified pickup games. Um, We had, I think your column had more than 260 comments on it. Now, anytime you write Michigan, Michigan State, it's half of it is Michigan State, half of it is Michigan fans jumping on there, taking fights and all this other stuff. Oh, I didn't even Um, see the comments. I didn't see there were that many comments. Wow. Oh, they're great. They're, and and if, if, if you're ever just bored, just go to any random Michigan, Michigan State game, uh, story on our website and look at the comments because it's just the fighting. The fighting among the fan base is just delicious. Um, but a, a lot of comments is like 50 comments is a lot for any article, sports, otherwise, whatever. A hundred something's going on. Two hundred something is some seismic shift has uh, has happened in the the fabric of journalism. So to have 260 plus comments on this, no matter where they're coming from or whatever, is a lot. And it uh, it did very well. I can tell you from the metrics, readership, subscribers, all that stuff, things that really matter to us. And, um, and I, you know, I, I believe it was Sean playing to his, you know, being in his wheelhouse of, you know, uh, 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 whipping up hope. For people and how good this team's going to be, and it's going to be one of it's Tom Izzo's best recruiting class ever, and, I didn't and write that. all this stuff, and that's what I assumed it was, but it really wasn't. It was just uh, yeah. you wandering over to a gym, having your having to you know satiate your basketball Jones because you've been without it since uh, since the springs for college basketball anyway. So, uh, what did you find when well, you went over to the? Where was it that you went? Holt, you went to watch this game? Yeah, they moved it. It used to be in, um, I get, I, it used to be in sort of a glorified rec center, which was massive, almost like a warehouse, like a, like a couple of best buys put together, you know, instead of, <laughs> instead of apples, apples and security cameras, there, there are a couple of, there are a couple of basketball <laughs> floors. And they, and I wish you could remember the name of that town because that's where I used to go to it. I had actually not been in a couple of years, maybe prices before COVID. And one of the reasons is, well, COVID shut it down. And another one was they haven't really had um, a class, a recruiting class that I knew had that kind of interest. That's really all the only reason I went. Um, it was the recruiting class, the interest in that recruiting class combined with, and this is what's a little bit different about his team, and we'll see if it matters. I mean, you just never know. But what's a little bit different is he has this recruiting class combined with a team that was a bucket away from the elite eight with almost everybody returning. And a couple of people, you know, one in particular taking a fifth year. 
And that's what's a little bit unusual. Normally, you often have a recruiting class like this. They're joining a, a young team or a bunch of team or, or guys that are kind of role players. Some of these guys, the two five-star guys in this class, I, I'll be shocked if they start. In fact, there's no way Jeremy Fears, who's the point guard, is going to start. And Xavier Booker's got to put on some weight, and he may eventually start, maybe. He's 6'10". How do you not start him? Because he's not going to rebound and defend at the level right away. It's going to take a while. And and because he can't play center, he's a perimeter player, basically, at this point. And and he may grow into more. It's kind of like Wimbenyama. You saw Wimbenyama, Victor Wimbenyama, in his debut. He got, he got pushed around. He did better in his second game. But he was mostly on the perimeter. Defensively, he protected the rim. And that's where Booker, and I wrote this, if I'm not mistaken, I, I, or maybe, maybe I was talking about Cohen Carr at that point. But, but that's where Booker can get on the floor. In any case... It's a little bit different that you got a couple of five-star guys coming in that that may well not they'll play, but they uh, I'll be shocked if they start, especially especially fears. So, so that's what's a little you. different. Okay, so who's the uh, the class is Garrett Norman, Cone Carr, Xavier Booker, Jeremy Fears. Who who stood out? Well, Norman didn't them? Norman didn't play. He didn't play. Him. He wasn't. Uh, I don't even think he was there that night. Um, it's so hard to tell, as I wrote in the column. It's it's a pickup game. You, there are a few things you can see, for sure, but uh, but so little of it translates. I mean, you can see size, you can see height, you can see quickness, um, you can see effort a little bit. Um, you know, one thing with with Booker is that because he's thin and because he's skilled on the perimeter at six ten, you know, he likes to shoot from outside. So he's he's. Izzo will probably eventually let him do that as he did Adrian Payne, but Adrian Payne didn't get to shoot for his first couple of years. And um, I know the era is a little bit different. That was long enough ago now that he might be a little looser with that. But in any case, I, I don't know. I didn't know what to make a Booker other than the fact that he's 6'10, he can handle the ball, he can shoot. What he's going to do, how they're going to use him just yet, he's not that physical. We will see. Um, but the guy that I really liked was Fears. I like. Carr, too, is a small forward. He's really, really athletic. He can't shoot at all. And um, to get on the floor, he's going to have to rebound and, and know where to be defensively and be physical. And I would imagine he'll get some minutes doing that. But uh, I like Fears, the point guard, who's could have gone to most teams and would be an instant starter. But because he's behind A.J. Hogarth, Tyson Walker, and Jaden Akins, he's not going to start. But... I thought it was interesting that Akins and a couple other guys, I said, what stands out about Fears? And like, he's, he's how vocal he is. So an 18 year old coming in, kind of acting like it's his team. That's, that's what stands out to me about him. And that'll is serve he a five him star? He is. So why did he come here if he's not going to start right away? Well, I think Fears committed banking on Walker was supposed to leave, right? Walker came back, got that COVID year. So that would have been his spot. And okay. um, and that was a fairly late decision. And I think Fears is the kind of kid that, at that point, liked the program, wanted to come play, had his reasons. He wanted to come play for Izzo and Michigan State. And sure, I'm sure he liked the, the the family atmosphere that so many of them talk about. And just didn't want to decommit and go transfer at that point. So he wanted to stick okay. with him. Yeah. So that so that's kind of so that it's just a little unusual to have five star guys joining a team where there are upperclassmen who are good enough to go play in the league, potentially. I mean, Akins has got a shot at the league. Walker probably doesn't. Um, Hogarth, if he can get a little better shooting, he will at least get invited to a camp. So, 
you know, so you're a five-star, whatever. You're coming in and you're going to take the job from a senior who's got NBA possibility. I mean, they're not lottery talent, right? But but they've right. got possibility. It's just not going to happen. And you wrote about how, you know, all this talent, right? It's all here. It's it's impressive. It's promising, whatever. But it's all about the collective. And that's what Tom is about, right? The team and how it fits with the team. So is this almost too much talent for him to handle? He's got to no, work it all together. No, it's, it's funny. I was talking about this with a couple of people. And um, that's by far his biggest challenge next year. He's got two deep at every spot. He's, he's got 11 guys. Maybe twelve. I mean, he's got a he's got a Trey Holloman who's a was a freshman point guard last year. He's a nice Michigan State kind of player. Where's he going to fit in? Right. I mean, mm-hmm. he he's going to have to say. I mean, we'll see what happens with him. But so, how do you manage all that? You got young guys that are coming in with uh, big expectations, five star rankings, four star rankings. You got older guys who have making and, and NIL has made this interesting too, right? Make they want. They got NL money and they got NBA ambitions. And um, yeah, you're too too deep at every spot. You maybe have 11 guys who could legitimately say, hey, I'm worth 20 minutes a game. That's a lot because you can't yeah. play that many. That's, so how do you keep all that? How do you keep factions from forming? How do you keep the young guys connected to the old guys? How many times have you watched a team, no matter the sport, if you don't have that, you're sunk? Oh, yeah doesn't matter how much talent you have. No, but it doesn't. It really doesn't. Now what happens with, as you, as you mentioned, you know, from the, from the beginning of the segment, you know, they were what a basket away from the elite eight. So that's, yeah. Yeah. is that the bar? Um, well, the fan base is probably going to hope for a final four, right? I mean, yeah. that's, I mean, how many has he been to them? Eight or whatever it is. So, and it's, he hadn't been to one in a minute again, Nine, 18. Was that the last one? 18, 19, somewhere in there. Um, I would bet. I know that's what the players are talking about. They, the funny thing is, they won't even be favored in the Big Ten. Purdue will because they've got everybody coming back. Now they lost. The, they got upset, but but uh, they won the Big Ten last year by three games. So I can't believe we're talking about the Big Ten and Purdue and it's, it's July. <laughs> pre-season, Sean Windsor's preseason Big Ten rankings. Power no, rankings. Here we go. I, I went up to Moneyball because I hadn't been in a few years because of the recruiting class and because I wanted to write a column about, okay, yeah, this talent is interesting and it's promising in a lot of ways. And the upperclassmen talent showed a lot down the stretch last year. And, um, and they got great guard play. But, you know, we've seen, we've seen, uh, this sort of situation submarine a lot of, a lot of teams. And that's really what I wanted to write about. And that's kind of what I did write about. So. You know, what's setting the scene up there with, I don't know. I mean, it was packed, as you can imagine. How, what, what is the vibe there? I mean, who, who goes to these? Is it college fans? Is it? Yeah, the Michigan State fans. It's Michigan, Michigan State, State fans. Yeah. It's the whole crowd is green and white. Yeah. And it's, it's been like that for a while. But, uh, the last time I went up there was probably the, um, uh, probably the Xavier Tillman, Jaron Jackson class so that's been a while right yeah which which followed the cassius winston you know nick ward that class so he had back-to-back classes with some high profile guys and that's when it really buzzes but uh yeah i i knew people would have interest in it for sure it surprised me a little bit how it did a little bit a lot of it 
That was not, uh, but no, but the football team doesn't. There's not much expectation. So this is the thing. Michigan State the psychology up there. It's it's interesting with that fan base, and um, it's not that they're looking past the football season, but they don't think Michigan's supposed to be really good football. Michigan State's not. So when the years are like that, and then you got this recruiting class coming in off a team that showed a lot of promise last year with most people back. Yeah, anything to divert. They 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 want to think about that. Right? It's how called, many months it's are we? It's how not many that months far. Are we from college I mean, basketball, uh, not as far as you think. So basically, August, September, October, and camp starts in October, and the games start in November. So four months. Yeah, yeah, and it's a tradition up there. And um, and whenever yeah. he whenever he's got a class coming in like that, there's always a lot of interest. You know, well, that's that's the thing. That's the credit to Tom Izzo and what he's built. You know is just like that that fanaticism that that base has you know i mean i'm glad that i've i've lived to see it and and you know watch it and live through it and have that experience and to me this is it's the closest thing you get right to acc hoops or whatever in this area um so it's it's great. I'm glad that they're doing it. And it was a smart idea for you to go lean in on that because there's a lot of interest. I wonder if Michigan had something like this, really, would there be that kind of a following? You know, I mean, maybe if they try to build it up over years. Yeah, the time maybe. so is an institution. Jawan yeah, Howard maybe. is not going to be maybe. around long enough. Maybe so. I just knew that the combination of the, the lack of expectation for football, the couple of five stars, the the late season push, the fact that those guys are coming back, and um, just yeah, I just I just I knew it would get red, and um, especially with the with the idea I had, which was you know, can you have too much of a good thing, and um, and balancing that out, I didn't know I didn't want to. I made sure at the top of the column to say this is pickup ball, right, and you you can't take too much out of this, and um, I didn't want to go up there and just say, oh my god, look at this person. Look what they're doing. Look at the dunks. Look at this, you know, because that's like coming to the summer league. I'm in, I'm in Vegas as we're recording this and coming to, you gotta, you gotta be careful in the same way with the NBA summer league. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Or spring training. It's a similar, right? It's, it's the right. same, same, same kind of, I, I mean, you were at spring training. Aren't you a little bit cautious about what you're seeing? Oh, of course. Cause, cause you're, yeah, you don't know who they're, it's all got to be uh, put in perspective of who is this, who are these two home runs coming against, you know, <laughs> a guy who's going to, you know, start off in uh, high single A or whatever, you know, so. No, um, it's funny because I wrote, I wrote about Michigan State and I, I wrote about uh, Eisman trying to get to bring cat, Alex to bring cat. And I wrote about. Um, to bring it, not to bring cat. Uh, yeah, to bring it, sorry. And I wrote about uh, the prisons and free agency and one other thing, and I'm, I'm this mistaken me, but I actually held off on the, the wings thing because they were taking their time to go do the money ball. And I said, I told our editor that, you know, he's like, Oh yeah, yeah. Get up there. I said, I, I'm going to, I want to go up there. And the trick was because it was night and I was trying to see everybody, Carlos, and this is maybe a little bit too much inside baseball, but so the gym, you leave the gym, there's no wifi. And so I go to my car and sit on my car and on my laptop and use the phone for the wifi to write. And because my laptop is a little bit old, it write about I don't know a paragraph before it was done. Uh, the computer the computer died, and I was about 20, 17, 18 minutes before deadline at that point, and I was out in Holt, and there's nothing around, right? 
And so I thought, oh my God, where am I going to go find Wi-Fi or go find power rather at almost 10 o'clock at night? It was a 9.50 deadline. How do you not have a power adapter in your car? My car doesn't, it, it doesn't handle the, uh, whatever the, the requirements for that. So, so I found a gas station that had a big convenience store and I went in and got a, got something to drink. And I said, is there any way I can have an outlet around here anyway? Well, sure enough, next to the hot dog warmers <laughs> that was empty, you know, like the, like the carnival kind of hot dog where they spin yeah. on the, you know, oh, yeah. It was empty. Right next to the nachos. And the- yeah, exactly. There was an extension cord. And she said, yeah, hon, you can plug in there. And I said, oh, thank you so much. So I plugged in, you know, how it takes a minute to reboot when you've lost power, get the Wi-Fi. I finally get in there and write my paragraph and file right on deadline. <laughs> and I wrote, I finished it standing. It was all standing up. So that's, that's, that's what we do, right? All right. Well, so you know, our boss, Kirk, doesn't really listen to this podcast. So you can just admit, you wait, how many hot dogs did you eat before you actually rebooted? No, it was, it was, it was empty. And I was really, um, <laughs> you're hungry too, weren't you? Oh, I was super hungry. Cause I had neat, <laughs> I had, I had dinner, you know, it was kind of because I got there at five or you got there before dinner hour and then it goes through. It's one of those things. Right. <laughs> and I just didn't plan that out very well, but so, but I was, I, after I filed, I was hungry. Nothing's open except for fast food. I got a I got a fillet of fish and immediately regretted it just down the street <laughs> before I hit the highway to get to go back home. <laughs> Sounds like a country song. I got a fillet of fish and regretted it. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's kind of where we're at, eh? Anyway, you know, if, if, if Kirk is listening, we probably ought to get a new laptop. Yeah, I'm I'm due for one too. So, Kirk, please requisition those. We uh, yeah we need we, a mesap because we, we want to save we want to save Sean from bad fillet fishes. But uh, anyway, yeah, so anytime, Carlos, you can go out and write about, you know, if there's some interest or excitement, whether it's a recruiting class, a free agent signing, a draft, whatever, and you can go out and kind of try to deal with it a little bit, put your own put your own thoughts to it. Yeah, I think you'll be okay because that's – what else do we have? We don't have winning. Oh, how dare you? The Lions are about to start training no, camp next uh, season. Uh, we don't uh, have winning. We, we have the Lions, maybe, but uh, and Michigan football. But what? Uh, and Michigan well, State Michigan, basketball. Michigan State, but of the of the pro teams, of the teams that unite oh, everybody, okay. of the pro team, of the teams that unite everybody. We just don't have much winning, do we? So the the draft and the free agents and the trades. That's what's yeah. that's what gets people through, yeah. and recruiting, uh, I guess. Our colleague Jeff Seidel has made a little side business, cottage industry. Out of have uh, you have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen anybody write about write, write about the baseball draft so much? Good for him. I don't no, blame no, him. Not, oh no, no, forget the draft. It's going to it's going to single A games. It's going to to Whitecaps yeah. game, Comstock, and going to like Erie Double A is like high limit what's for that, him. So what's that tell you? What's that tell you? It tells you the Tigers stink. I mean, they stink, I mean, and you gotta. Uh, but it's always it is. It's kind of a little bit aligned to what you're doing. Is is hope? Like, what is the next thing? What is the promise of the future? You know, which people always want to hear about that. And they do. And also, these draft picks to bring it kind of fits in that mold yeah, too. Of course, a bit. of course, of course, no quantity, you, but you and I both wrote about them. In fact, I was thinking when I read your column about to bring it that you were disappointed they signed it because it seemed to me like what you were really trying to write about is Steve Eiserman blew it. You wanted to rip into Eiserman for not signing to Brinkett. That's what the column read. <laughs> like you were somehow disappointed that you had to give him credit for getting it done. <laughs> no, oh, I was because you wrote, you wrote your column first 
And you were saying, well, is this the, is, I don't know if you use the word panacea, but is this the end all be no, all? Is this going to solve I've everything? Never, I've never used that. Uh, and we word. didn't know if that was going to happen or not. No, uh, don't you hate writing it. that? The, the, thanks a lot, Kirk. You and I have had conversations about this. When you have to write a column about it, it's one thing to write a news story, but when you have to have to write a column and have, try to have something to say about something you have no idea if it's going to happen or not, that's, uh, yeah. That's column writing, buddy. That's the, we don't know what's going to happen all the you time. You told me last last time uh, we were it was a free agent period. It was something, and you're like, "No, I don't want to do that. I want to wait and see what happens, and then I can make it make an opinion about it." And uh, so, yeah. Well, it depends if you if something's imminent, you know, like writing, and this is one of the curses. This is very inside baseball, but yeah, you know they're on the brink of possibly signing somebody. And that was the danger with when you wrote the Debrinket is it, it was maybe going to happen and you could have filed that column and it happened that night. And then the column appears the next morning and they would have held it. No, we talked about that possibility and we, I tried but what to if write it already it? runs. If it runs, it publishes at seven in the morning and then they announce the signing at 10 in the morning. Then you, you buried, know, then you're buried on the website, you know, I know, but you, it, it, it just, it's kind of a little bit meaningless. Um, it is. That's and, happened before. That's, that's part of our, that's right. part of our life, digital life, right? I mean, that's actually happened yeah. a few times where you write yeah. something. And that's my only, that's my only thing is when, when something is going to happen, it's going to happen either way. Like to bring it was just never going to stay on the market forever. So no, was gonna it, yeah, him, so. he was, he was either going to get them or not. And that's two very different columns. Right. So. Right. Uh, no, so, but yeah, I wasn't that, disappointed. I, I, I like I like to bring it. I love I love his game as I wrote. Um, you know, so it's it's. Uh, well, I'm a hockey competitive. Fan. Yeah, it'll, if it makes it more competitive, that's good for everybody. More well, competitive you know. and more. Yeah, absolutely. There's and and that was one of the things that I was wondering about with Bertuzzi was I I liked watching him. I liked his game, and it, you know he was fun. He was feisty. He had a real really you know great hands, great vision. And, uh, the, he was, he was unique in that way among the wings. So I was, I was bummed to see him go as a, as a hockey player. So, uh, to break it, bring some of that. Um, so it'll just be more interesting to go to the games and watch them and, or watch them on TV, whatever it is. Absolutely. Well, with that, let's, uh, let's take one more quick break, Carlson, come back with the favorite thing, your favorite thing. We don't need my favorite thing. It's, it's all about you. That's what's important. We'll be right back with more free press sports with Carlson, Sean. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. It's that time of the show, Carlos. Your favorite thing. My favorite thing, which becomes Sean's favorite thing. All right. Mine is simple, actually. And I had one, but I changed it because of today. Um, we, we, you were part of this, Sean. We had a big um, uh, sports meeting among our, our uh, illustrious uh, colleagues. 
Uh, talking about many different things, uh, most of it audio recordings and our podcasts. And we don't get to gather that often, especially in sports. It's so hard to get people from sports together because we're all moving around. And some of us travel to exotic places like Las Vegas. Um, yeah, that's pretty so exotic. Was, yeah, it was exotic for you and you're in the whatever, the, the penthouse up there and whatever. Um, at, but people ch- people logged in through Zoom. There were about 10 of us uh, downtown in the Free Press building in a conference room. And I don't... I, I, I was talking to my wife about this uh, not too long ago, but I think sometimes when you've done your job for a long time and you've done it with very talented people, you kind of take it for granted how good these people are, how talented they are, how how hard they work to get to where they are and to be there. And it struck me that, you know, we are very fortunate to be among those people, you know, to be among our, our, our fellow um, sports writers, sports editors, podcast producers, metrics people, you know, all these different people who make a lot of things happen. And as you were in that meeting, there are so many steps to making things happen. And sometimes it seems easy, but it really isn't. It really takes a whole village to produce a podcast, to come up with the idea, how to market it, how to do it. I mean, you and I are just talking monkeys, but you know, Robin Chan is the person who's doing the the hard work behind the scenes. And people like, you know, Brian Manzullo, Anjanette Delgado, Kirkland, all these different people, you know, who are involved in this process. And I remember thinking back when I was a young uh, journalist growing up in LA, and I can remember thinking about the LA Times was the big paper uh, in my town, and how much I looked up to the writers um, and some of the editors and who I knew I, I knew of, and thinking, wow, it must be so cool to work with people who are so good and be just beginning my career. And when you're just starting off in the business, there's a lot of challenges and frustrations and things aren't done as well as they should be done. There's, you know, the the level of professionalism just isn't there yet. And thinking one day, wouldn't it be cool to work at a place like the LA Times? And sitting in that room today, I was realizing, you know, not realizing, but just reminded that that's where I am, that that's where we are lucky enough to work these days is among those people, with those people, sharing ideas, coming up with, you know, innovative and inspiring ways to do our best work. And I always just, I have to keep reminding myself because you and I have been in this business for a really long time. In fact, one of the editors there today was saying she remembered me from when she had been uh, an apprentice, I believe, 15 years ago. (laughs) And now she's one of our, her, um, you know, important editors. Um, And when you're there that long, I think you, you, you lose sight sometimes of the bigger picture and, and, who you work with, who you're lucky to work with. Um, so I was really happy. This, this is one of my, by far, favorite, not only favorite things this, of this week, but favorite things in a long time to be able to, to hang out and uh, share that time with our, with our colleagues today. Well, that's really nice. Uh, look at you thinking about the, the team and the community and uh, your fellow folks. That's, uh, that's really nice. It, and, it, and it was a nice gathering. Unfortunately, I couldn't be there. So I had to. We dial had pizza. In. You missed out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could, I could tell. Well, I couldn't tell. I was told you were eating pizza, and then I could hear it. <laughs> but, it, but that could have been anything. That could have been, uh, you know, a sock you were chewing on, or whatever. 
Um, but no, that's uh, that's nice, and you're right. We are very lucky to work at the Free Press, and we are surrounded by really talented, smart, and uh, and caring folks. I mean, that's just that's just the truth. My favorite thing, Carl's, is, and this was sort of a spur of the moment thing. I, I didn't realize this was going to happen. But as you mentioned, Vegas, yes, as we record, I am in Vegas. I'm out here for the NBA Summer League, and um, I was originally going to come four or five days ago for the first couple of games. And then uh, our sports editor, Kirkland Crawford, who helps oversee this podcast, and I had the bright idea that let's push it back because the Detroit Pistons are going to play the San Antonio Spurs to wrap up the Summer League, and we can write about Victor Wembanyama. And, uh, <laughs> and plus, and plus, Omari, uh, Omari Sankova II, who covers the Pistons for us, you know, really, really well, was here for the first couple of games, and I'd take the, the last two. There are only four. And then we have them all covered. So that kind of made some sense. And then, of course, the Spurs shut down Victor Wembanyama. And, uh, <laughs> but that's okay. There's, you know, we're not here for the Spurs. We're here for the Pistons. In any case, I say all that to say this. I get a text from my brother the other day saying, Hey, when are you going to Vegas? And I tell him, and he says, Mallory's out there. Mallory's his daughter, which makes her my niece. And, uh, and I love this kid to death. And I said, no way. Well, she's a junior. She's going to be a junior at Michigan State. She's in a marketing internship with a company that does business with Ford. And they were doing some kind of Bronco sport something off-road out here. And she got the opportunity to come and uh, do some social media marketing work with them as an intern. And she was here. She and I were going to overlap one night, which was the night, uh, which was what night is it? I don't even what day is this I'm confused. It was uh, it was it was Tuesday, Tuesday night. Tuesday night, we made plans. I'd already had plans to go to dinner with Amari and Vince Ellis, who used to work for us, who works for the Pistons now, works for Platinum Equity for Tom Gores at Vince Vince's favorite and Amari's too favorite restaurant almost anywhere. It's a Thai place. It's really well known. It's really incredible, actually, one of the best Thai joints in the country. So I said, "Hey, can I bring my 19 year old niece?" And they said, "Sure." So we did. And there was Vince and Amari and me and my uh, niece, Mallory. And uh, she got to try different stuff, new things, just be out on the road a little bit with the sports writers. Uh, Vince is a little bit older. Amari's young. So that was a nice combination. And it was just great. And I, I, she was staying out at some casino resort about 30 minutes out. So I got to I'd go pick her up. So we had that time. And then I dropped her off. Her parents did not want me to let her Uber by herself. <laughs> <laughs> but uh which i don't play them but no it was it was great i haven't spent that kind of time with her in a good while and uh just just with her you know probably since she was young and would occasionally watch her babysit or something but it was it was really really great and a bonus and i had no idea it was going to happen it happened in a flash so the day you know the day before i got on a plane to come out here so that was by far my favorite thing oh that's ex that's excellent yeah, and now it's just me. Everybody's gone. Everybody went back home, rightly so. They want to beat the heat before it gets to be what one seventeen. We were looking it up over the break, right? Is that what? That's what's coming. One seventeen. Yeah. You're like, you're like, ah, that's nothing. One twenty six. I play golf in it. It's fine. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. We grew up in the West. We grew up hard, man. This is how. This is what we know all the time. It's common for us. Yeah, but there's no humidity, right? That's what that's what folks say. It's sure. a dry. It's a dry heat. It's a dry heat. It's a dry heat. <laughs> but anyway, no, that's a great favorite thing of yours, and uh, I was. That was one of the better nights I've had in a row in a long time. And it was just totally unexpected. It was great. So, uh, in any case, all right, my man, fun show. Thanks for uh, everything. Good to be back here with you. And uh, we'll talk about more baseball and hockey next week. Does that sound good? 
Uh, I don't know if we have to promise that, but yeah, maybe we should. Okay, baseball. Who knows? Baseball for sure. Yeah, no, yeah. we got to talk, and we also got to talk about your new favorite team, the Lions, starting training camp pretty soon. Oh my goodness, they are, aren't they? Sneaking up on us. It is, man. It's going to be August, and then it'll be Christmas. <laughs> that's kind of how it goes, right? I, that's right. For right from August to Christmas. Here's your assignment for the week: come back with some tips and advice on how we can slow this down because it's going by way too quick. Yeah, I have a great one. Yeah, maybe maybe Robin can help us slow the just slow the <laughs> slow the planet down. I mean, it might mess the gravity up a little bit, but uh, we might all start <laughs> floating away. But uh, let's let's slow that time down. All right, man. We need to thank Sounds some good. people. Who are we thanking? Well, we've already mentioned them. I guess we're mentioning them way too often. But Robin Chan, our producer, who makes this uh, does all the hard work behind the scenes, as we know, um, and. Uh, our two executive producers, Kirkland Crawford and Anjanette Delgado, and our editor, Nicole Avery Nichols, who signs the checks and makes everything work on time. And uh, but mostly, Sean, who do we? Who is the most important person? Got to think. Uh, y'all out there listening, we're we're very grateful and um, happy to have you with us. And as you uh, know, and you know, I don't know. We all know this. We say this anyway. But yeah. You can find us wherever you find your favorite podcasts at Spotify, at Apple, at uh, various other platforms. Who knows? I don't know. They come and go. But when you get there, give us a shout, rate us, and uh, most importantly, subscribe. And uh, until then, Carlos, till what? Next week? Yeah. Next we'll week. be back next week. All right. We'll be back uh, next week with more Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.